the word of the Lord says this, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. May we be blessed by the reading of God's word this morning. You may all be seated. There we go. Good morning and Merry Christmas. Sorry for the delay. Uh, Like collar popped. I mean, I don't know what's going on. I need a mirror. But just two quick announcements, then we'll pray. Then we'll jump into God's holy word this morning together as we start this new Advent uh, series. Uh, Next Sunday is our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Lottie Moon is, um, she was a great missionary, a Southern Baptist woman who probably did more missionary work um, for the Southern Baptist than any other lady. We honor her every year by taking an offering that goes right back to um, foreign missions. So she uh, is kind of the spokes, our matriarch for foreign missions. And so every Christmas we take up a uh, offering on her behalf, and then that goes directly back to every Southern Baptist missionary around the world. Um, the beautiful thing about this offering is that 100% of every dollar that comes in goes back out. There's no admin costs that get taken uh, out of that offering. So please prepare your hearts for that, and we'll take that offering up next Sunday morning. And lastly, we've been praying, and we'll continue to pray uh, through this fall and winter for a youth pastor. Uh, we've been asking God that he would reveal someone to us, bring someone to us, or now we're in the process of we will go and look for someone. There has been a committee that's been formed. They will be presented at our next business meeting, and then we'll move forward with that. So let me pray for us, and then we'll jump into God's holy word this morning together. God, I pray in these moments you would still our minds and our hearts all that is going on in us, God, through your Holy Spirit would quiet us so we could hear and receive from your Holy Word this morning. God, we do come to you again and we have we've been pleading with you that you would be gracious and kind as we look for a youth pastor, someone that would care for our students, that would equip our students to go into this lost world, and that they would have the knowledge of you that would protect them, the knowledge of you that they would herald uh, to bring salvation to the world. And God, I pray uh, for our youth. Uh, I pray that they would be uh, missionaries sent out by us into this lost world to proclaim your goodness, your kindness, but most importantly, your salvation. Uh, I pray that, God, you would bring that person that would train, equip, and lead our youth in that way. So we've been praying, we ask again that you would prepare us for them and them for us. I pray as this committee uh, gets 
presented that you would even now prepare the hearts and minds of each one on that committee, that they would hear from you, discern from you, who would be the right person for uh, this position. And so now, God, we come to this point in our worship service and ask that you would be glorified through the proclamation of your holy word, which is inerrant, inspired, and infallible. And let it do what only it can do, and that's bring both justification and sanctification to our lives. We pray this in the mighty name of Christ Jesus, and all God's people said, Amen. I will really only be teaching one verse, as Jared read this morning, and one word from uh, verse 23 in Matthew chapter 1, Matthew chapter 1, uh, verse 1 and verse 23. We are taking a break from Esther, so if you haven't been with us, we're at week 7. We'll be in chapter 7 when we come back in the new year to finish out Esther, but every year, Uh, Since I've been here, we take these next four Sundays and look at Advent. We uh, Advent is simply this this place for us to celebrate and to be reminded of the King that came, but the King that will return. And so we're in this uh, exorbitant uh, expectation of His next arrival when He comes to redeem us and call us back to Himself. So this morning, I want to look at hope. That's what this candle is burning to my right, to your left. It's the hope candle. And I want to look at hope uh, through who Christ is this morning. So let's turn with me to Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. This is what it says. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now there's five questions that have to be asked by every biblical scholar and that's not just me the preacher that's you you must come to God's word this is the skill of observation is what it's called if you go to seminary one of the first classes that you'll take they'll teach you the skill of observation how do you engage the text if you went to Brian am I right remember observation so we're and then we're going to interpret what we see so I'm going to look at the observation and then I'm going to interpret what we see But if you're taking notes to be a great Bible scholar, there's really five questions that you have to ask about every text. I'm going to answer one of those today, but we could spend the next five weeks talking about these five questions based on this one passage with these few words. Those five questions are the how in the passage, the why of the passage, the when of the passage, not like W-I-N, but W-H-E-N, when did it happen? The where did it happen? And then who's in the text? So the how, the why, the when, the where, and the who. This morning, I'm only going to look at one of those questions. And the question that we're going to answer this morning that everyone needs to leave here with is the who. Now the who is who gives us the hope of Christmas. But it's important to know the other ones. So I'm going to answer the first four questions in one or two sentences each. So the how of the genealogy of Jesus. How did it happen? How did we get to have Christ our King? The answer is found in this chapter, in chapter 1. The how it happened was his mother Mary had a child through the, the divine 
conception that the Holy Spirit entered into Mary and she had a baby by herself. That's the how it happened. How we have Jesus is a miracle. That's the how it happened. The why did it happen? Why did the Holy Spirit enable Mary to have a son named Jesus? Well, we know throughout the Old Testament, the why it happened comes from Genesis chapter 3. Remember in Genesis chapter 3, we studied that about a year ago, that God had made a promise that Eve would give birth somewhere along the line, and there would be a genealogy, and that there would be a man named Jesus that would come and crush the head of Satan. In other words, the why it happened was that God was fulfilling his promise to rescue his people. Redemption. That's the story of the Bible. Every story in God's word points to that promise that God is going to redeem his people through his son Jesus. That's the why it happened. The when did it happen? We see that also in this text in chapter 2. The when it happened were in the days of Herod the king. He was a wicked man. That's when it happened. So we know through history there was a Herod the king. He was a wicked man. So this points to the historical fact that there was a Jesus. The last question that we will look at before we answer the longest one, the who, is where it happened. Where did Jesus' birth take place? It says in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, it says, in a little town of Bethlehem of Judea. That's where all this take, took place. So how did it happen? Through Mary, the Holy Spirit. Why did it happen? Because of the redemption of his people. When did it happen? In the time of King Herod. Where did it happen? In Bethlehem. And now this morning, we're going to look at the who. Who do all these events point us to? It says to us, Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. As we start this morning, we start being reminded of this. We come this morning about who Jesus is. Listen to what I just said, is, not was. The key word in that sentence is, is, that Jesus, this is not a genealogy of who it was, but who it is. So Jesus is still very much alive and active today. So this genealogy is pointing us to Jesus Christ, but now the author of the book, of the gospel, of Matthew, is going to say, this is who Jesus is. Not who he was, but who he is today. And because who he is today, that's the reason we celebrate Advent. Advent simply means this. I've said it every year. I'll say it every year. So God takes me home. It comes from the Latin word Adventus, which means the arrival or the coming of. Advent is a time of patiently waiting with hopeful expectation of soul searching as we eagerly await the arrival of our King, our Savior, Jesus. So we're not here to celebrate just his birth. We're here with this expectation because of his birth that he'll return again to redeem all of us. Here's what's so important about the who of this whole Bible. If you don't believe in the who that this passage is writing about, then you can 
just pretty much disqualify the rest of the Bible. Because everything that we hold true hinges on the who Jesus is. Because Jesus just not, was not just simply a man like you and I. And if you just believe that he's just a simple man like you and I, just disregard everything else that you read. Right? Because if you come to the text and he's just a simple man that isn't truly God, then you have to discount him walking on water because that's a miracle. You have to discount that he fed 5,000 people with a, a, a few fish and a few loaves. You have to discount the resurrection of Lazarus. And on and on I can go. You have to discount him calming the storms. Because then he wouldn't be God. If he was just simply a man. He is both man and God. We see that here in the text. We see that all the promises of the Old Testament about who Jesus is are fulfilled in this one verse we're going to look at six things this morning about who jesus is and my hope is that you would leave here believing these six things because if these th six things are not true about what you and i believe to be about jesus the rest of the bible again is pointless so the six things are this jesus is the savior Jesus is the King. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the son of David. Jesus is the son of Abraham. And Jesus is Emmanuel. Those six things all have to be true about who Jesus is. If any of these six things are not true about who Jesus is, then Christmas is meaningless. Then it truly is just a time to Unwrap some gifts and wrap some gifts and pull your hair out when your uh, family comes over. But that's not what we celebrate Christmas for. We celebrate Christmas and we wait eagerly because Jesus is the Savior, the King, the Christ, the Son of David, the Son of Abraham, and that God, through Jesus, is still with us. So let's look first at Jesus, the Savior. You may come and look at this passage. How do you, I, how do we see that Jesus is the Savior? Circle his name, Jesus. Start there. Jesus is the Savior based on his name and his name alone. The word Jesus in the Hebrew comes from the word that we would get Joshua from. It means Yeshua. Like Jesus' name, his name was not Jesus, it was Yeshua. Now that might blow your mind, I'm just telling you how they would have said it. Yes, his name is Jesus, but they would have pronounced it Yeshua. Yeshua in the Greek means this, the Lord that saves. So just his name alone points us to God fulfilling his promise that he was going to send a son, his name was going to be Jesus, but it's not just the name that he came to do. It's what he came to accomplish. That was to bring salvation to us. When the readers of Matthew, the very first verse of Matthew's account, when they would have read the genealogy of Jesus, they would have automatically been reminded of who? 
Joshua. Now, Joshua was a hero for them. Why was Joshua a hero? Remember what had happened in the Exodus story. The Exodus story is Moses, who wrote the first five books, leading the people of God out of bondage and out of slavery into where? The wilderness. But without Joshua, they would still be wandering the desert today. Do you know that? Because remember what happened with Moses. Moses got so angry at the people of God that he disobeyed God. And what did God say to Moses? Hey, you can't lead my people into my promised land. So I'm going to give somebody else to you. I'm going to bring somebody else up. His name was Joshua. Read the book of Joshua. Joshua is about this man leading God's people where? To the promised land. So when they would have read Jesus, they would have been reminded of Joshua, which would say to them, hey, there is a Savior that's coming to lead us where? To the promised land. So do we this morning believe that Jesus is the Savior that's going to deliver us even more than from the places of the wilderness into his great kingdom? Do you believe, do I believe, do we as the church believe this morning that Jesus is the Savior of the world that's coming to lead his people to his kingdom, the promised land? Do we believe that? That's the first one. Jesus is the Savior of the world. The second one is this. Do you and do I believe that Jesus is the king? It says, the next word is the word, you see it in the text, that he's the son of David. And then the rest of the genealogy points us back to all the kings in Jesus' story. Which means that if all these kings are in his genealogy, that would have to mean that one day he would what? Be king. And so on we see in the passage that Jesus comes from a long line of royalty. Now some in this account, some in this genealogy were wicked men. They led with selfish motivation. Others, that if you read through the book of First and Second Kings, you'll see that there were kings that it said they did righteous in the eyes of the Lord. But what we can believe to be true today is that Jesus comes to fulfill the promise that there would be a king that would reign over all things. Like if it, He can't just be the savior of the world. He's got to be the king that reigns over all things. That's what we've been studying in the book of Esther. That there is a sovereign king that rules over all things and nothing happens outside of his divine providence. He is the king. If you go, and not as much today, but hundreds of years ago, nothing could happen in the kingdom without the king's approval. And it would be war if anything happened outside of the king's rule. We still have that today through King Jesus. The next thing that we see is this. That Jesus is the Christ. It says in the book of the genealogy, Jesus the Christ. Now, oftentimes you'll see Jesus, and oftentimes right after the name Jesus, you'll see the Christ. But we have to ask the question, 
What does the word Christ mean? The, the word Christ means this. You've heard it over and over again as you read through the New Testament. The word Christ means Messiah. But then we have to ask the question, what does the word Messiah mean? The word Messiah simply means this. The anointed one. What does it mean to be anointed? It means that there is a God that sovereignly appointed or anointed someone to carry out his mission. And so Jesus is the Christ, the one that's been anointed by God to carry out the mission of God. What is God's mission? God's mission is to redeem or save his people. Now they would have read this, you and I would have read, read this, that there's three primary ways that God accomplishes his mission. Through three primary roles. Those three primary roles are this. There has to be a king. There has to be a priest. And there has to be a prophet. You look through the Old Testament, those three roles are throughout the Old Testament. Remember, the people of God wanted a king. God anointed a king to, to rule them. But they needed, a, they, they needed a priest. The priest was to what? Bring sacrifices on their behalf to atone for their sins. But they also needed a prophet, someone that would speak to them because they had heard directly from God. And so they would have read this, and they would have seen that Christ is the anointed one. But then they would have read this, in this one word, that he was the anointed one. He was the king. He was the prophet, and he was the priest. Christ fulfills all three roles of the New Testament with who he is because he was the anointed one from God to God's people. Christ came as the king to reign and rescue his people from his sin. Christ came as the priest to offer the ultimate sacrifice to rescue his people. And Christ came as the prophet to speak on behalf of God to declare the message to his people to be redeemed through Christ himself. Do we this morning believe that Christ, that Jesus is the Christ? Three more as I finish out. The next one is this. Jesus is the son of David. Now what does that mean for us? Now at first glance we could see, well that means that he's the king. No, I already covered that. That is true in that name. But what else did it mean when the people and when we read that he is the son of David? Remember the promise that God had made to David in 2 Samuel. I believe it's 2 Samuel. That God had made a promise to David that through David one man would come and reign over his people. But what would he do? He would restore or heal his people. He, he would reign and liberate his people. So when you and I hear that Jesus is the son of David, that means that we have a healer. And we have a redeemer. And we have a liberator. If you study the book of Matthew, I believe it's nine to ten times that you'll read this name, the son of David. I'll give you three quick examples of when you see this in Matthew. That people outside of his disciples would say to him, hey, Jesus, son of David. The first place is in Matthew chapter 9. If you know Matthew chapter 9 and Matthew chapter 9, that there's these two blind men. 
Those two blind men are crying out. What do they cry out? Jesus, son of David, what? Have mercy on us. What those men were asking for was healing. And they believed because he was the son of David, because they believed in the promise that there would be someone from the line of David who would bring ultimate healing. They believed that Jesus could offer that healing to them. So they said, Jesus, son of David, basically heal us because we believe that you're the son of David who brings healing. Remember the demoniac man in, in Matthew chapter 15, he said the same thing. He's caught in bondage of this demon and he says to Jesus as Jesus approached him, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Let these demons be removed from me. Again, we see in Matthew chapter 22, other blind men. One of those men being blind Bartimaeus. And what does blind Bartimaeus say to Jesus? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You see, all these people said that Jesus was the son of David because they believed that he could and would heal them. My question to you, my question to me, church, is this. Do we have the hope this morning that Jesus is the son of David that brings us healing this morning? Two more to go. The next one is, what does it say? That Jesus is also the son of Abraham. Think of all the titles and these few words. This title is the most important one to us. You may think, why would this be the most important one to us? Why would him not being the Savior be most important? Why would him not being the King be most important? Why would him not being the Christ be most important? Why would him not being the Son of David be the most important? The most important title for us, the Gentile, not the Jew, would be this. That he is the son of Abraham because of the promise that God made to Abraham. Remember that promise back in Genesis. That God would what through Abraham's lineage? He would bless the what? The nations. Not a nation. The nations. You see, all those other things can be true for the Jewish people. That just for the Jewish people, he could be the king the Savior, the Christ, the Son of David. But we get entered in, or as Paul says, we get grafted in to that lineage because of the promise that he made to Abraham that God would send through Abraham's line somebody that would redeem even the Gentiles. That's the promise that we have. So when we read the Son of Abraham, there has to be some amount of joy that wells up that God made a promise not just to save the Jews, but that God would save Gentiles. Do we believe that this morning, church? Do we believe that Jesus is the son of Abraham, which means that Jesus came for all the nations that they would be saved? Us included, the Gentiles. And now the last one is found in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, a title. All these have been titles given to Jesus. But this is what it says in, Gen in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him, what? Emmanuel. Which means what? God is 
with us. Not God was with us. It's present tense. Because Christ came as a child and lived on this planet and died and rose again, the promise still remains today that God is with us. Remember what he said to his disciples right before his ascension. Fear not, I'm always with you. We have hope at Christmas because Christ is with us. So a way of application this morning for us. This Christmas season, do we have the hope of who Jesus is? Do you have hope of who Jesus is? Have you surrendered your will and your life over to who? The Savior of the world. The King that reigns with righteousness. The Christ who is appointed and anointed by God to rescue you and me. The Son of David that brings not just physical healing, but spiritual healing. Next. Jesus is the son of Abraham. And he blesses all the nations. Do you have hope this morning that God is with you? Let me read that one verse again as a reminder of who Jesus is. The book of the genealogy, Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. They shall call him Emmanuel. May God be with us as we wait expectantly for his return this Christmas. Let us have that hope this morning. Let me pray.